Hi there, can I take your order? Yeah, could I get a uh, amnesia machine, uh, a pretentious nickname, and a kid's meal, please? Uh, sure thing, sir. That'll be 1971, and uh, pull up to the podcast. <laughs> I see now. What do you get when you throw a piano down a mine shaft? A flat miner. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, 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 is this what we fade in from after the theme song plays? Yes! <laughs> Just out of nowhere. No context. Out of nowhere! Please, I beg of you. Well, in that case, <laughs> welcome to Cyburns and Cigarettes, a Lupin the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all of the animated and live-action entries in the Lupin the Third franchise in a in mostly chronological order. Okay, and I'm going to insert the intros from a whole month ago. Editor's note. Well, this is where I would have put our uh, our little silly introductions for the episode, but um, turns out we did not record them. To make a long story relatively short, um, we attempted to record this a while back, and uh, once we started, it was a little late, so we decided you know, we were a little tired, we are going to postpone it. On our uh, second attempt... At recording, um, me being the absolute genius that I am, uh, I forgot to press the record button. So we talked for about an hour about this episode when I caught the fact that on Zencaster I didn't press, you know, you know the most Im- most important button you're supposed to press when recording a podcast. So kind of seemed for a little while like this episode was going to be cursed, but fortunately our third attempt was successful. However. While editing this episode, uh, I was about 100% certain that we recorded our silly intros um, uh, during our first recording attempt. Uh, But when I went back to the audio, um, I found out that, uh, yes, we did discuss the nicknames we were each going to use, but um, once we did the whole little Welcome to Cybers and Cigarettes opening, um, it just completely slipped my mind to initiate the, uh, (laughs) the introductions, so... On this episode, you're going to get a peek behind the curtain at our ingenious process of choosing our goofy nicknames for the opening. So, without further ado, enjoy. Oh god, what's our goofy nicknames for this (laughs) opening before we do it? (laughs) Uh... We got a lot to choose from in this one. We got Kids Meal, (laughs) Phantom Weasel... We got a lot of pretentious nicknames to choose from. <laughs> I should just be the star of Kilimanjaro. Okay, so Jay, you're the star of Kilimanjaro. Hell yeah. Kilimanjaro. <laughs> <laughs> First, I kind of like the idea of being uh, the Phantom Weasel. <laughs> nice. Or perhaps, or perhaps an unhappy, an unhappy meal. meal. <laughs> oh wait there's also a uh, rock iron hammer um the pillar that supports the lupon gang uh oh that's a good one i don't know i think i'll stick with the uh, phantom weasel all right nice because because that's gotta be the least intimidating mobster name ever i know the most threatening gangster in all of japan <laughs> <laughs> i mean with a face like that <laughs> All right, let's see, I'll probably do, I'm thinking either Kid's Meal or the pillar that supports the Lupine Gang. I'll do the pillar that supports the Lupine Gang. I love that fake Jigen line. That sounds like a real Jigen line. Right. right. So we took a brief, 
we took a, a brief detour in reviewing uh, Lupin the Third, the first to the last two episodes. And of course, you know, in true Cyber and Cigarettes fashion, that film came out in 2019. Well, it was released in the United States in 2020, released on home video in 2021. And of course, we covered it a whole month after it had been released on home video because that's just how we roll. Yeah. I mean, we're covering this one, uh, what, 50 years later? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, here we are. <laughs> Always fashionably late here at Cybirds and Cigarettes. Maybe a bit more on the late, a bit less on the fashionable. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. I I dress like a freaking champ. All right, fair enough. I've seen your cosplays. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you got us beat. On today's show, we will be discussing episode six of part one: "Rainy Afternoons Are Dangerous." Once again, directed by Masaki Osumi and written by Seiji Matsuoka, who wrote some episodes of Ashino Joe. He wrote uh, Doraemon the movie, Nobita's Dinosaur, several Star of the Giants films, and a few episodes of Kamen Rider Amazon and Kamen Rider Stronger. And uh, the synopsis from Wikipedia reads as... <clears throat> One rainy afternoon, a man seeks Lupin's help on behalf of a young woman. The woman is actually Fujiko, who is after a diamond known as the Star of Kilimanjaro. The diamond was implanted into the chest of a mob boss. This boss had his memory wiped, but died days before it was to be restored. Now, Lupin and the gang are after the ambulance carrying the corpse and the diamond in it. Zinagata is in charge of the ambulance and its escort, and he attempts to prevent Lupin from stealing the diamond. It's a pretty lengthy synopsis and not entirely accurate, but nevertheless, let's discuss. What do we think of this episode? Well, (laughs) three times is a little much, but (laughs) it's not the worst episode out there. Yeah, it's not. And, you know, it's not not really the episode's fault either. No, no. That's true. I mean, it it has its uh, ups and downs, but as we've watched more and more, it's become a little bit little bit more downs than anything. <laughs> I, I, it, at this point in part one, we've had like, it's it, the whole like last few episodes have been kind of like up and down, kind of alternating because you know, the first episode, not so hot. Second episode, pretty great. Third episode, ooh. fourth episode, best in the whole series so far. Yeah. A fifth had going on with some really dynamic action. It's a good episode. And this one, this one I'm kind of half and half on, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Personally, I kind of like how, you know, we see, like, the entire episode revolves around, like, the criminal underworld. And yeah. I'm always a sucker for that kind of thing. That is true. Like, that's one it, thing I appreciate about all the Masaki Osumi episodes. He remembered that Lupin is a criminal. Right. I yeah. do enjoy that fact. Like, yes. anytime they show Lupin as a criminal, I mean, that's what it, that's something I've always kind of like preached to everybody. It's like, don't forget he's a criminal. I mean, go ahead and go off right. with your head cannons, but don't forget he is a criminal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's no damsel in the stress. There's no supervillain trying to take over the world. You know, there's no uh, sudden philanthropy. You know, it's just, you know, the world's greatest thief and his gunsling hitman bodyguard partner get caught up in this uh, hilariously complex scheme involving <laughs> a stolen diamond and mobsters with unflattering nicknames and unflattering faces <laughs> yes i feel like now is probably a good time to discuss the mob boss in question here ah uh, yes uh, looks fan- like he got hit by a train he does he looks like he got hit by a train and- but was not aware the train was hitting him <laughs> or he, he wasn't he was not aware the train was coming 
<laughs> so he's just left with the expression caught off. Guard. I mean, it's it's like that. It's like that face. It's like the definition of anybody can number the truck. <laughs> and like, I do, I do like how uh, I think Lupin even says, "What a goofy mug." Yep. Yeah. What a goofy and, mug. And just like you know, every time we see that photo of him, it, it cracks me up. <laughs> it's great. I love. It, it. is good. One moment I do love is that transition from like the shot of of, of his face and it fades in <laughs> to the photograph and it's the exact same right. expression. Hello. I hear purring. Snuggles says hello. <laughs> Come here, old man. Come on. Into my lap. So where were we? We were uh, <laughs> talking about the Phantom Weasel and uh um Speaking of the Phantom Weasel, the, 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 as as Chris mentioned, the, a lot of unflattering nicknames in this episode. We've got the uh, the Phantom Weasel, the the, the feared gangster, and the uh, the the crony that visits Lupin and Jigen in the beginning, who's uh, uh, kids meal, as he's referred kids to. Kids meal, what a name! It's something. Um, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I know. On the uh, the. Uh, the liner notes on the discotheque DVD, they mentioned that that translation is uh, something closer akin to children's menu, which is why G. Kinder <laughs> immediately quips that his face doesn't look that appetizing. It's still such an odd pun. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things that doesn't quite translate well. No, it doesn't because, like, if, if, if maybe he was like. Like kind of like like some short like kind of baby face henchman with like you know or like some creepy weirdo would make sense, but he's just like a regular looking dude with glasses, kind of you know, not really uh, kind of unremarkable throughout the whole thing. Feels feels a bit like a missed opportunity. It yeah. Well, I mean, like it it was probably funnier in Japanese. <laughs> it probably, probably. was. You know, language barriers can be kind of a, a tough thing to get around in the dubbing, or not, excuse me, the subbing process. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that comes into play near the end of the episode when the... Hey, uh, don't fight on my chair. <laughs> you guys can share the chair, okay? Chill. <laughs> but uh, that kind of happens near the end of the episode when I'm, uh, you can clearly hear in the dialogue when, when, when Lupin is explaining the, the big switcheroo plan at the end, how there's an intersection in the dialogue. You can clearly, clearly hear him say that it's an intersection that looks like a manji, which, of course, the manji yeah. is a symbol that was eventually appropriate or misappropriated into the swastika. So I get why on the DVD they decided to translate the swastika because it's our word most people would recognize, but it just, it felt really weird <laughs> when Lupin yeah. nonchalantly is like, so we're going to reach, we're going to reach this, you know, the, 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 this intersection here, shaped like a swastika, you know, as you do, as you do, <laughs> as are common in yeah, this I'm region. I'm kind of curious. Now this episode is based on two chapters of the manga. And I'm checking to see if the Tokyo Pop translation referred to it, what it, you know, what it referred to it as. And they just call it a four-way intersection. Didn't that also kind of like come into play? I've, this one, from what I understand, from what, what you told me before, uh, Chris, the, the first time we discussed this, for, we, the first time we discussed this episode that wasn't recorded, how <laughs> like certain bits of dialogue are like, Certain bits of dialogue are changed and not necessarily for the better. Like in the moment when Lupin <laughs> comes to, uh, I'm going to put in big air quotes, comfort Fujiko. In the rather uncomfortable oh, yes. scene. Oh, where yeah, that. The line of dialogue of him saying, the, the more I'm rejected, the more persistent I get, which just left me feeling, no, thank you. Yeah, it's it's. Like the first example I can think of where Lupin in the anime is less creepy than his counterpart in the same story in the manga. Yeah. It's, Although, it's, like, I don't know, I feel like this, I don't mean to cut you off here, but. That's fine. I feel like this might be a good time to uh, talk about the manga version real quick. Oh, yeah. Go um, for it. This episode is based on episode or chapters 18 and 19 of the original series. Chapter 18 was titled The Corpse is Running Out of Stock in Japanese and Remember to Forget in English. 
while both versions of chapter 19 are titled No Mercy. And the story is pretty similar, aside from the mobster's amnesia being performed by a beautiful scientist named Dr. Ochana Mizu, which might be an Astro Boy reference, because I know Monkey Punch was a big fan of uh, Tezuka. Yes, anyway, the, uh, the mobster has uh, amnesia, no, the doctor has amnesia herself, and it's cured by Lupin seducing her. And uh, it's really funny in the manga because let me let's see there's like there's a big flashback explaining the amnesia and what exactly the boss is trying to forget. Yeah, she says, "What horrible secret did we share?" And Lupin's like, "Maybe it was a sex thing. Maybe kinky. Perhaps a brief refresher course." <laughs> Do you really think I haven't regained my memory? Uh, yeah, sure, absolutely. <laughs> And there's a great moment where Jigen's like leaning against the door, listening to everything going on. And, you know, hearts start flying out from behind the door to the That's point where one it actually. Of my no- favorites. Yeah, to the point where it, the number of hearts coming from the room actually knocks the door down on top of Jigen. <laughs> Visual gags. I love them. See, that's. It's like, you really can't do that in anime. That's, that's one of the great things about, you know, Monkey Punch's manga. Right. That's true. I agree. I think that's that's one thing for me. The first half of the episode is kind of missing. Is kind of like the kind of madcap, goofy humor, like in the dialogue or like in in any of it. Really, it's kind of played really straight for Lupin, anyway, for the first twelve minutes. Yeah, yeah, and which is a shame because there are some pretty good gags in that first chapter, like when uh, uh what's his name? When I think Dragon Mandala which is actually a pretty badass-sounding name, is oh, yeah. uh, attacking Lupin and Jigen from, from the car. And there's a bit where, was it, Jigen fires his magnum at the trunk, and Lupin throws an exploding knife into the uh, bullet hole. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, that part was funnier in the manga because Jigen is standing on Lupin's head to shoot the car. Of course. <laughs> and, th- and then after that, Lupin's like, all right, my turn. And he, he prepares to throw a knife, and you see he's standing on Jigen's neck, and Jigen's like... Damn it! How much do you weigh? <laughs> See that would. I, I wish stuff like that was more in the first half because, like, the bit is really right. cool in the episode because I I, I I like the teamwork of Jigen shooting the hole and Lupin throwing the knife. I also like the little touch of Lupin Jigen hiding behind the tree when it explodes. Jigen just gets this massive grin on his face. <laughs> He's really impressed with what he did. But oh, it, yeah. it would have been funnier if they had done like the standing on the shoulders thing. Right. I kind of wonder if um, the whole gag with in the manga where um, he asks uh, how much he weighs is something that translated into future installments of the anime where he constantly asks women how much they weigh. I don't know. I, I don't know. I wonder if that's where they took the inspiration of. And they're like, you know what? Let's make him even worse. Put him in the anime. <laughs> make him ask women instead. You know. Yeah, this is something I've noticed, though, in episodes adapted from the manga, is that, especially in the early half of part one, how a lot of those more cartoony, Mad Magazine-inspired gags are just kind of excised completely. Like in the like in Go Month debut episode, there's a running gag early on where Jigen keeps offering Go Month something to you know, a smoke. Like he offers him a cigarette, Goemon turns it down, pulls out a pipe, Jigen turns, offers him a lighter, and then Goemon uses a flint and steel instead. Right. <laughs> or how at one point uh, Jigen spits out the tea he's drinking in Lupin's face. <laughs> you know, stuff like that is not in the anime. And I wish it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do I. It's, it's, it's really funny. Yeah, almost, again, this is like, this is like feudal speculation, but it almost makes me wonder if it would have been like, if the earlier episodes would have been a bit more successful if they had included that kind of humor, if it would have been a, like a bit more memorable at the time, which you kind of wonder. I mean, perhaps. Although I do wonder if maybe they were, you know, assuming it was like a shooting for like a specific tone. Yeah. And I, I do you really know, like Osumi's tone. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm sound like I'm way too hard on it because some of the Osumi episodes are like some of my absolute favorites in the, the franchise. Best. Oh yeah. Speaking of that, I guess that's one reason why this episode just kind of didn't really blow me away in the first half is because the first half compared like to the past few episodes, it kind of felt like 
kind of very simple and dry. Even the direction wasn't really dynamic at all in the first half. Yeah. Well, I'm not like I did like the whole thing about the rain because rain is notoriously hard to animate. Yeah, now that did look good. I also love that we get like the same gag twice where where Lupin says, "Damn, it's cold." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like and like one bit I really like is when uh, after Kids Mill picks him up and takes him to the Phantom Weasel's residence. God, that's such a strange sentence. But <laughs> yeah, Lupin steps out of the car and he's running with like his you know arms over his head. It's like it's kind of a realistic reaction to the rain. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they didn't have to do that. But, but they, they did, did. And, yep. and I'm I'm glad. Yeah, no, I, I guess you're right. Like, like in that in that first like opening scene, there's uh, especially the shot when they're driving to the Phantom Weasel's residence, and you get that really cool shot, kind of like almost from Lupin's point of view, where you can see him in the rearview mirror, kind of like the shot in Goemon's blood spray. Yeah, and you see like the uh, the, the 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 windshield wipers like wiping the rain off the wind, windshield, and it, like looks it looks really good. It yeah, does, especially for the, especially for the time and the budget and all that. I mean, it's not you know, it's not the best rain I've ever seen in anime, but they nah. they did a valiant effort what they had with the technology with the technology they had. They did fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at other things from those years, though, the, Lupin actually has some of the better animation in the, in anime from those years, oh, like from definitely. the early seventies. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if you look at some of the older stuff that's from like the early set late sixties, early seventies. A lot of the animation was very choppy and blocky, and it didn't move or translate very well to action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I still love Speed Racer anyway. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Same. Now, I guess once they get to the Phantom Weasel's residence is where it, I don't. Again, the episode didn't lose me at all, but I'm just kind of like the whole plot with the amnesia and everything. It just isn't quite really. I don't know. It didn't quite grab me as well, like like as much as I would want it to. <laughs> Even with the big, weird, goofy amnesia machine inside the Phantom Weasel's wall. Yeah, let's talk about that, shall we? Weird choice. Let's talk about that machine. Because yeah, it's weird. The, especially because in the manga, it was done through a uh, injection. Which would have been a lot more interesting and probably more gripping than yeah. a machine. Needles are freaky. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially because, uh, you know, the weasel says that he never thought that he would... How do you put it? It's like he says he's had this for years, but he never thought he would have to use it on himself. It's like, right. who are you going to use this and on? It's, it's like, I want the story behind that machine. Right. And then we don't get that. Like, come on. I mean, how long has he, how long has he had it? Why did he have it there? Right. Who installed it? Right. Who invented it? It's almost presented as like a regular household appliance. Where it's like, oh, let me just pull the lever right. on my old mind wiper. <laughs> What's yours? It's a Maytag. <laughs> well, you know, I was going to say, uh, I don't have a amnesia machine, you know, in my apartment, but there's a uh, building on the complex that has one. <laughs> I have to go there oh. for all my amnesia meads so, like once a week. Bit of a high end product. Yeah, it costs like a dollar twenty five per memory wipe. Ah, uh, yes, I understand. Right next to the laundromat. Yeah, but. <laughs> Do they give you a change card or use quarters? I don't remember. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the bait, Jay. (laughs) I was really hoping somebody would ask me a question about it. I couldn't resist. I knew it was coming. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) It's... It's such a weird choice. It, it sounds, it's so much more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah, they kind of go into convoluted details and it, they don't really play into the story at all. Well, maybe it's because the amnesia machine probably more fun to draw and animate than... I mean, you know, think it, about it. A, a lot of the animators on there, they really enjoy their uh, machinery. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they, they, they that's a big contributing factor to why Lupin was kind of successful was because they used animators that had a lot of history with uh, drawing machinery, uh, cars, uh, gadgets, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. because right. it's it's a big part of the, the world of Lupin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, which was established, you know, back in the pilot film. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because you know, the manga really did, 
Manga really didn't use a whole lot of uh, real-world brands. Right. But started, starting with the pilot film, though, they they began doing that, and it's become pretty uh, important. Right. Of course, you can... Uh, so, yeah, that's prop. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you can uh, thank uh, Yasuo Otsuka for bringing that aspect to the franchise, because he was a big... He loved animating detail, like cars, vehicles, weapons, specifically Jeeps. He loved he loved U.S. Army Jeeps. He was the reason why Japan had a sudden booming of uh, Fiat 500s in their uh, uh, economy. Uh, if it weren't for for him, he he we would not have had the iconic uh, Fiat 500 in in many adaptations of the show because there was there was an interview he did with fiat back in 2017 where it was revealed that he was technically the first person in japan to buy a fiat so correct that's pretty cool there's an article that i read not that long ago and i was going to use it for a school assignment um but i ended up changing my direction on that and my direction on college in general but that's a different story <laughs> and the article <laughs> the article was very much about the history of uh the fiat in japan and it's all accredited to him you oh, know that's cool it entirely credited to him if it weren't for him bringing it to lupon lupon would have never made like waves across the econ- across the like japan's like islands and everything and they never would have known about it at least not at not that soon yeah right it wouldn't have become as iconic as it became no right so people so in japan they started buying those things up left and right back in the 70s but i would say that's i say that's probably more due to Cagliostro than part one um not somewhat yes but they also i mean they did draw fiats in uh part one Right, right. If you, if you recall, so yeah, that's true. It doesn't take much to put two and two together. All right, so something I've noticed was that the uh, it seems like in the opening credits, a different version of Afro Lupin sixty eight seems to be playing, mm-hmm. and Yamada's narration of Lupin seems a lot more flat, like it was phoned in. And this is the only episode where this happens. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I still think that they uh, lost the original recording for a minute there and was like, ah, oh, wait, okay, here we go. That, or it was like the first take and they just used it on this episode and not the actual first episode they used or whatever. I think I mentioned last time that, uh, you know, like if they misplaced the original recordings for both of them that week, use this one. And then like next week, Imada was like, do you need me to record the opening again? No, it's okay. We found it. <laughs> that's... God, I'd be so pissed if that happened. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if that's what happened, but as far as I'm concerned, it did. <laughs> until uh, until you hear otherwise. Exactly. That is my head. This is my head cannon. Your know, for reality. <laughs> well, that's like that's a. a... A consistent inconsistent. I'm going to say this again. That's a consistent inconsistency in part one. Is the opening is constantly changing at all times. There's three different openings and multiple versions of each opening for a 23 episode series. Yep. Because <laughs> I know uh, they really amazing. couldn't make up their mind. The, the, this one has uh, the instrumental version of Afro Lupine with, with, with the flat reading. Um, the third opening that's coming in a few episodes, there's like, I think there's three different versions of that. I know there's one where Goro Naya has this weird, super upbeat, in-character, like, description of all the characters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then that's just gone after one episode. So they they were constantly tinkering with the opening, and they never really, (laughs) they never really got into the groove of it. And honestly, I think that's kind of one of the charming things about part one. Oh, totally. And, you know, it goes for the original manga as well, because 
nothing was set in stone. So it all feels very experimental and, you know, trial and error. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's what's so much fun about it. I, I, I agree that, that like the one thing I always love about part, like the, the, the thing I like about it is it has a kind of, a really nice rough around the edges feel to a lot of the episodes and not in a bad way. Like it, yeah. it, it, it feels like people like taking risks and, 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 mm-hmm. and, right. and, and, and it's cool. It is. That's probably the best way to put it. It's like, it's cool and how cool. imperfect it is, mm-hmm. which I think I think we discussed with like the pilot film as well with the characters that these are not good people. The pilot film does not portray them as good people, but it portrays them as very cool people. Yes, Exactly. Like you don't want to meet these people, but at the same time you admire them, right? They're fashionable and they they have a lot of confidence in what they do. Exactly. I, I feel like that's like at least and up until recently that was one thing that was kind of lost throughout kind of the middle of the franchise a bit. It, it became like everyone going, "Hey, that Cagliostro inspired me. I'm going to do that." And then like with yeah, um, yeah. with um especially with. Well, big chunks of part five and especially the Koike films kind of brought back that vibe of, you know, these are criminals, but they're cool. So we like right. them. Yeah. Which, you know, that's going back to this episode because, you know, that's one of the things we like about it. You know, it's like nobody is, nobody's doing anything in this episode for moral reasons. No. Oh, yeah, no. I still admire that fact. The, the whole... These these criminals they're they're, they're criminals point right. blank, you know. Some of, them may, yeah. some of them may have stupid names, but they're still criminals. They're still people <laughs> right. feared. I mean, there was there was gangsters named Babyface, so I mean, true. It kind of fits. Yeah, this is true. I mean, becoming like in this episode, we have oh, okay. okay so how how the hell does how the hell does somebody get the name Phantom Weasel then? That's you know, a weasel. You know what? I want backstory for this guy. I, <laughs> I bet for, you. For his guy and his big amnesia washing machine. Let's. I, I bet his big amnesia washing Let's machine. Let's do it. Oh, I should have said brainwashing machine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's, our, that's, our next, that's our next task. We're going to write a, uh, a, let's see, five episode miniseries about the Phantom Weasel and his brainwashing machine. <laughs> his brain washer and dryer it'd be an interesting task like how do you get such an ugly mug was it was it naturally given to him or did he really get hit by a train <laughs> any questions yeah what's one were you born that ugly or did you have to work at it <laughs> that's right listeners you didn't expect me you didn't expect me to hear uh, you didn't expect to hear me quote the 90s Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon did you <laughs> always, always up to date with the references on cybers and cigarettes. <laughs> Fashionably late as always, huh? Oh yes. But uh, yeah, yeah, Lupin's really not a good person in this episode because I mean the episode kind of ends with their whole like switcheroo at the cross section, and he uh, opens a coffin and digs a diamond somewhere out of. The Phantom Weasel's body. Thankfully, we don't know. With his bare hands. The, yeah, I know. Uh, Improbably. The bare hands part. Ooh. I mean, he doesn't use any tools. He doesn't even wear gloves. No. He just shoves his hands in there. And and thank. I don't know, man. I, I want to say thankfully it doesn't show up, but then again, what you don't see is worse than what you do see. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, where did you reach, Lupin? Now, like, where did those hands go? <laughs> But see, I know it's implied that you know the diamond is uh, inside the weasel's chest. That would make sense. But there is, a, but there is a bit in the manga though where, when the body is being transported, Inspector Zenigata is kind of mumbling to himself. It's like, oh, hold on, let me find the exact quote because the, the writing of the English version of the manga is great. <laughs> yes, I don't it is. Get it wrong. Okay, like uh. What kind of sick bastard shoves a diamond up his... Okay, Inspector, we're ready to leave. All right, let's roll. God, I wish they would have kept something like that. That kind of like illusion to or whatever it's called. It's like, uh, to what it really is. Where I mean, it's really at. I mean, honestly, it would not surprise me, though, if that was invented by... Uh, what's his name? The, Matt Yamashita? Yes. Yeah, Matt, Matt Yamashita, because... I can I can almost guarantee Pops is saying something completely different in Japanese. <laughs> Probably. 
It's debatable. I mean, it is monkey punch. <laughs> true, someone, true. Someone needs to animate hey, we, 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 Matt Yamashita scripts. <laughs> oh my god, please. Great. Someone needs to do a dub of them. Someone needs to get all the actual like English voice actors to do a dub of the, the manga. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that would be so good. Well, I know uh I know uh what's the name? Mike Lapore of the uh of the old Lupin Three Jackets podcast. Yeah. Uh, he once met Tony Oliver at a convention, and uh, I don't think the video is around anymore, but he actually recorded him on video saying, in Lupin's voice, you killed my boner, prepared to die, <laughs> which, is from a, uh, which is from a volume of uh, World's Most Wanted. Speaking of the second, the second half of this episode, this is where it really picked. Like, like once you do the the commercial break thing, and it fades in to the meeting at the cabin with Lupin and his new <laughs> his new crew. That's when, like, like the comedy started like kicking up the uh, the kind of the, the roll call moment when right. everyone gathers and announces yes. their names, and we meet um, what my favorite Rock Iron Hammer. Who's like hiding up in the rafters, <laughs> jumps down to show to to uh, present his specialty, and spins around Lupin and like puts dynamite in all these strategic places, and then sits in a chair, puts his hands on his chin, and just like admires his work. Now, see, that was a bit of slapstick that translated pretty well from the manga. Oh yeah, that that that. that out of all the three times I've watched this, that still makes me giggle every single time I see it. Because I also, also love how Lupin how, spins around, loses the dynamite, has this really right. kind of bewildered look of like that just happened, right? <laughs> that just happened. I also like how Lupin introduces himself. I'm Lupin III. My specialty is well. There's nothing I can't do. That's enough about me. <laughs> the ego in this guy, I love it. It's one of my favorite aspects of him because it just shows that he has a shit ton of confidence. I love how um, uh, Imposter Jigen calls him out on his ego, and he's like. Wasn't asking for commentary. <laughs> <laughs> now in a in the manga, Dragon Mandala is instead a guy named Sandayu the Wind. Okay, that's pretty. And he says, "My specialty is." And Lupin cuts him off, saying, "Pretentious, pretentious nicknames." Next. <laughs> and I also like the uh, I, I like the password bit. Oh yeah, you know, oh, like yeah, the, me too. You know, like a like what the first one was a uh, co. And it's comic. And the yes, next one it, is three, with it being Lupin the Third. Yes. Basically, anytime he says a word or something, they do a word right. association. Mm-hmm. Right. Like a phrase, counterphrase, spy right. speak kind of thing. And that's pretty much the same in the manga, except the second, let's see, the second uh, phrase is oh. You know, and he asks, you know, he asks it to uh, Fujiko, and she's like, Oh, Lupin, which is correct. <laughs> and then, uh, but in the English version of the manga, Lupin turns to the fake Jigen and he says, so if I say F, you say, and the fake Jigen says, I say, fuck this. And he draws his gun. <laughs> 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 Only for Fujiko to gun him down and say, that was the wrong password. God, that's so good too. And in the, in the anime, in the episode, uh, the slowest death I've ever seen Jigen do. Oh, he God. falls so slowly to the ground. It's almost like a dramatic sh- uh, uh, Shakespearean experience. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, Julius uh, Caesar probably... starring Jigen. <laughs> <laughs> to Fujiko. I'd watch that. <laughs> oh wait, no, Fujiko's not in that part in the anime. <laughs> it too, no. Kidsmeal. <laughs> no, Kidsmeal's the one who dies. <laughs> yeah, dang it. See, now in the uh, in the manga, the crew is Lupin, uh, Fake Jigen, Hammer Gantetsu, 
Sandayu the Wind, and Fujiko, who had not appeared in the story until this point. And the fake Jigen is working for Sanji of the Mist, who is a priest who is also going for the diamond. So in the manga chapter, uh, I'm, I'm guessing he's still... So So whose body is he getting it out of? It's just some mobster. They've never given oh, the name. Okay, so, that, so that, that's where they kind of crossed the two stories together. Was, was yeah, because... Yeah, 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 No Mercy is, you know, part two of the, of uh, Remember to Forget. Okay. Oh, God. That's... Yeah, it's a two-part story. It, it's a two-part story, yeah. Um... And uh, I have in my notes here, after the fake Jigen is gunned down, that would make him an unhappy meal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm note, so like... glad you put those down in your notes. <laughs> Well, I've had time. <laughs> I think we all have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all had time to write stuff down in my notes. <laughs> yes. We've all been all the way to Kentucky. <laughs> also, I like how Lupin, like, he mentions, you know, the Fujiko that she had captured Jigen. I want to see that. Yeah. yeah. How does she pull that off? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, don't, don't have all that happen off screen. I want to see how that happened. Yeah, they had a, a time constraint, and they only had so much, uh, you know. Yeah, true. You know, you got to uh, set enough time aside to have the fake Jigen fall dramatically. Yes, and to have a, you know, a brainwashing machine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think most most likely Fujiko probably pulled the, um. Uh, she gave him another, uh, uh, she pulled the, the same move she did in the woman called Fujiko Mine. She gave Jigen another glass of tea. He drank it. And it was like, not again. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just got the middle image of Fujiko just like sneaking up behind him and smacking him upside the head with the blackjack. <laughs> Which is probably just as likely now to think about it. Uh, yeah, honestly. Seeing actually, how she knocked him out in with the club in the first episode, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that, 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 that that's Jigen's one weakness. Being whacked in the back of the head. <laughs> to be fair, that's one. Of, it's one of my weaknesses too. So, <laughs> speaking of Jigen, even though it's kids' meal disguised as Jigen, he's. I love how he still has the the absolute um, snark that Jigen would have when Jigen announces oh, yeah. his specialties <laughs> and he names that he's. He says he's Daisuke Jigen, the pillar of the Lufine game. <laughs> He definitely knows his place. <laughs> he does. Yeah. You know, Kid's Meal definitely researches his role, that's for sure. Whereas now in the, in the English version of the manga, he says, you know, Lupin asks him to introduce himself. He's like, who, me? Everybody knows me. Everybody loves me. <laughs> and, then, and then Lupin just just annoyed and under his breath. He's like, undoubtedly. <laughs> <laughs> and so after that, we pretty much get to like the, uh, the big switcheroo plan. Which I, I, one of my favorite bits, and it's it, it happens, and you're like, okay, that happened. Is when Jigen sh- shoots the side mirrors off of the uh, the uh, the coroner's van, and it takes about like all. It feels like five minutes go by, and the driver of the van, like after this long period of time, goes, huh, "No side mirrors, weird." <laughs> <laughs> This must hit that sign. And the other guy's like, yeah, yeah. I didn't even notice. When there's this shot, there's this shot where you hear these you hear the bullets like loudly knocking each one <laughs> off. Okay, be fair, all the sound effects in this show are loud. That's true. Fair enough, but listen, if you if you were the one in the driver or passenger seat sitting next to one of those side mirrors, you would definitely hear that shit. Unless they have the radio blasting and blasting some ACDC or Metallica. I don't think so. I want to see the I, I don't know, time. man. I'm kind of hard of hearing. Also, I do like how we see Zenigata doing police work that's not, to his knowledge, related to the capture of Lupin III. Oh, yes. A shock. It's honestly a shock. Yeah. You know, holy crap, he actually does do other police work. I never right. would have known. Yeah, you know, and again, there's a little bit of that in the manga, but it's not very common. Right. You know, it's always loop on. <laughs> I was just there's one bit in the uh, in the new adventure series where we actually see him investigating what appears to be a suicide, 
Although there was him involved, yeah. it's complicated. Ooh. <laughs> and like that's like that's pretty much his only appearance in that story. It's like he shows up, you know, says that the bodies of John Doe, and he walks out. And I don't know, it's just kind of nice to see him doing stuff besides pursue Lupin the Third. That is cool because it reminds you, like, he's just he's an actual inspector. He does inspector things. It's not always right. <laughs> he doesn't he does inspect things. I love how the the implication. Well, not the implication. I he, he you do get the one Lupin moment at the end where they pull they successfully pull off the heist. They 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 pull the switcheroo. And they all regroup on a hill, and you just hear Zinagata yell from the trees that he knows Lupin's there somewhere. <laughs> he, he could just, smell them. He just sensed his presence. Oh, it's a big presence, so I could see why. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and also, I, I like that as Lupin is doing his barehanded surgery... We had the nice guy Lupin song playing. <laughs> it's all right. You're trying to watch you just kind of like, well, this is this is happening. Yeah. We're, watch, we're watching a guy rob a corpse by shoving his hands into the dude's chest. Yeah. While hearing a song about how nice of a guy he is. Oh yeah. But he gets angry sometimes. He but gets cool. angry sometimes. <laughs> he gets angry sometimes. He might reach in your chest, <laughs> but he's still Lupin the Third. <laughs> He's still a monster. <laughs> well, to be, to be fair, it's far from the most horrifying thing we've seen him do so far. This is true. Fair enough. I think uh, electrocuting an entire room full of people may be up there, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, the manga version of the story ends immediately after the surgery. And we instead get like a little narration box which I thought was pretty amusing here. <laughs> and so Lupin was able to lift the diamond, and he, is his, and he and his associates celebrated by drawing complicated schematics on cocktail napkins so as to enlighten our readers onto the sheer brilliance of the heist. And the last, oh. three, panel, last three panels of the whole chapter are just showing how they pulled it off. <laughs> that's, that's actually pretty cool. That is pretty cool. What's well, a fourth wall? Monkey Prince doesn't know. <laughs> and I love it. Actually, I, I do really like how this episode ends, though. I like I like the little last minute double crossings with them. Uh, yeah, uh, Fujiko showing up immediately, and um, uh, like it doesn't Dragon Mandala throw her the Star of Kilimanjaro? I'm pretty sure. I think so. Yeah, because he throws it and he hops on the motorcycle. I, I like. I love the abruptness of her motorcycle speeding out of frame with her going, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm out. Jigen just cold-bloodedly guns down Dragon Mandala. He's so mad. He's at least going to get somebody. (laughs) All right. Also speak. He wish it was Fujiko, but you know. Deep down he does. He'll take it. Speaking of Dragon Mandala, I feel like you should have mentioned the the bit during the flashback when... (laughs) The Phantom Weasel gives him that machine gun. Oh. <laughs> when, when he entrusts him with keeping the secret for six months. <laughs> right. And he, you know, he, he looks so emotionally moved by it. He does. He, 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 he's a, he, he's a, a loyal gangster. Clearly. You see, now, now I want that backstory. I want to know what the connection is between Phantom Weasel and Dracomondalis from that one moment. <laughs> It's like, yeah, they're, right. they're like, this high stuff's interesting, but I want to know more about them. Because <laughs> clearly there's a lot going on there. <laughs> it's like it's like three Godfather-style Godfather movies just waiting to be told. <laughs> it's not the Godfather, it's just called The Weasel. <laughs> the Weasel, part two. <laughs> Remember to forget. <laughs> Um, so yeah, after that, pretty much the episode just ends with, um, it ends with Fujiko in the bathtub playing with the, uh, diamond. Oh yeah. Cause you get like the really, um, uh, oh, yeah. the really kind of funky version of the, uh, in- like a funky kind of instrumental version of the in credits theme while she's just kind of rolling the diamond around. That, that, that's a great ending moment. You know, I own a small figure of that bathtub scene, which sounds weird saying it out loud. It came with a set of other figures. I swear. Of course. 
Actually, I, I, I kind of like how in these early episodes when they're criminals, they hadn't really quite established the trope of. And it's I do I do like this trope, but the trope of them, you know, like nabbing the treasure, but then somehow losing it, or the treasure's not what they expected. I kind of like it when somebody gets away with something in these early episodes. Yeah, because they're like they successfully pull off oh, the yeah. heist, and Fujiko successfully steals it from them. All right. I think uh, Monkey Punch kind of got tired of that trope too, because when uh, they were doing Dead or Alive, that was one of the few demands that he had was that Lupin actually managed to get away with the treasure for once. Right. It's true because by that point there had already been um, uh, um, Cagliostro, Gold of Babylon, and Nostradamus pretty much ended with them going away empty-handed. You know, but it's the friends we made along the way, right? Or in one case, the aliens we made along well, the way. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Mystery of Mama as well. They were empty-handed. They didn't do anything without nukes. That's true. Oh, Fired boy. at them. That's going to be that's going to be a fun one to review. That, I can't, oh, I can't wait. That's that is still my favorite Lupin movie. Close second for me. Man, I'm not sure what else to say aside from about. I'm not sure what else to say about Fujiko in the bathtub. Well, it's it's. I got just. I just gotta stop talking about this. It sounds weird. <laughs> I mean, it is sexy. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I like the. Uh, I, I I like how it pans out, and we remember like, oh yeah, this episode's about rain. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's good. I, I do like how it's bookended with similar shots. That That's pretty cool. Wasn't there an oddly poetic line about the rain earlier as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. But about Not quite halfway through, but before Dragon Mandala attacks, um, um, Lupin's, or Jigen's kind of complaining that they got dragged into this whole situation, and Lupin's like, if you're going to blame something, blame the rain. The rain that brought us our kid's meal or something. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful line. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's like if you think about it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but it sounds nice. It does. I, my my favorite line, I still love this line so much, is when uh, Jigen says to Lupin, you want me to tell you not to when he says, go ahead. Yes. He's like, he's like, he's like, what are you waiting for? Go on. And he's like, are you sure? He's like, what, you want me to tell you not to? <laughs> I don't know why, but that one, when I first saw that, that cracked me up. This is great. And there are kind of says a lot about their about their friendship. I think it does. It's like Jenkins knows that he's not going to be able to convince Lupin not to, uh, you know, do what a presumably pretty woman is asking him to do. Right. And um, um, right after that moment, I, I, again, I, I, I kind of picked at the, the first part, but there are a, a lot of great character moments. And when when Lupin gets in the car with Kidsmill and drives away, I love that shot of Jigen watching at the window with his gun ready just in case Kidsmill pulls something. He's he's got his buddies back. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice little moment. And also how and also how like even though like Jigen's not on board with the whole thing, I like I like how he's still palling around with Lupin and coming along anyway, even though he's going to complain the entire way. That they're wasting their time. Right. <laughs> that reminds me of a moment in the uh, manga version of the story where Lupin and Jigen are walking towards Lupin's car. Jigen's like, can I drive? Lupin's like, no, you're just psychic. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I feel like we should talk about Jay's favorite line from the manga version about after the uh, mob boss dies. And Jigen slams his hat down on the uh, table next to him and says, I hate dead people. I hate dead people. <laughs> 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 I want that I want that entire like panel as a pin. I should draw that. I should make that as a pin and just make, get it made. I wish that moment had been like translated a little more like like that. But I like how even like the, the moments changed, you still get a sense of Jigen's disdain for dead people when they they come in and Puchiko is very distraught. He's like, he She's talking about Phantom Weasel, how, like, you know, he died yesterday, and Jigen's like, ha, ah, ah, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> you can almost tell he's kind of like, oh, good, this means we're going to be out. Thank God. <laughs> I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Wait, hold on. Bad choice of words. Let me phrase that. Nah, never mind. Let's see. Is that... Overall, overall, it wasn't a bad episode. It had a lot of ups and downs. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's okay. I agree. Yeah, it's an okay episode. The, the first half, five, five, five out of ten. <laughs> I feel that. I mean, it's it's not one of my favorites, but 
I I do really like it myself. Like it's definitely not top tier for me. Uh, I like I said, I definitely put it like five out five five or six out mm-hmm. of ten. Like it's not great, but it's not terrible. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I I I I put it above the uh, the first episode and the farewell, my beloved witch episode. It's definitely better than those two. It's kind of like in the middle. Right. Where, like, the first half didn't really do a lot. There's some nice little character beats, but the second half really got me on board with, like, Lupin's goofy crew and their switcheroo is is a really fun moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's what I appreciate about it. It's that there are all these, like, nice little character beats. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the plot takes a few twists and turns. And, you know, I, I do enjoy the, uh, you know, the fact that it's about, you know, these characters dealing with, you know, the criminal underworld. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I don't know, I guess I'd probably give it like a C plus or a B minus. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's above average. It's good stuff. Yeah, it was the first time. <laughs> yeah, the first time I probably would have rated it more like a, like a 6 or 7 out of 10 instead of, mm-hmm. you know, a 5. Maybe I just watched it too much. Well, if, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. <laughs> well, you can find me on the Twitter, or the Twitter as I like to call it, uh, at L O O P A W N. And you can find me on Instagram at Lupin Sanse, spelt like normal L U P I N dot Sanse. And yeah, that's about it. Oh, and you can catch me on Etsy with my pins. Uh, you can find that at my Twitter's link. Hey, quit fighting, please. Hey, 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 hey. Hold on. Cat fight. <laughs> once, hey, once again. Hold on. I thought the first rule of Kitty Fight Club was... Oh, never mind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop bringing it up, Jay. <laughs> rules, man. Uh, listen, man, I can't help it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. When a fight happens, I gotta talk. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Furball. D-R-F-U-R-B-A-L-L. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Tumblr, Newgrounds, at Amazing Chris Godby. And uh, you can read my webcomic at Weird in a Can dot the comic series dot org i highly recommend it same me too <laughs> i'm highly, highly recommended by the author <laughs> i think i'm gonna put down the cover of, of the book once i you know finish it highly yes recommended by do author. it please <laughs> please be best great. book i've written this year highly recommended four stars Chris, let's check it out. You can find me at on Twitter at DrewHunter15. I just tweet about movies and anime and, and things. So, yeah. And uh, you can find our podcast. Well, you can find um, uh, Cybirds and Cigarettes on Twitter at LupinPod. You can also find us on Instagram at LupinPod. And we are also currently on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. So we're, 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 in, a, we're in a lot of places. You know, if, if you don't mind, you know, you know, kind of, you know, you know, mosey on over to our uh, our Apple Podcast page. Maybe give us uh, a five star review, and uh, you know, that'd be kind of nice. Would be it'd be really nice. You know, be we, really, we really appreciate appreciated. It. Please, please give us validation. If, if if you leave us a one star review, we'll appreciate it a lot less. Yeah, yeah. But we'll still appreciate you taking up the time to do so. Yes, exactly. It's it's the thought that counts. But please be five stars. Indeed. <laughs> well, that will be. <laughs> I guess that's another episode of Cybers and Cigarettes, and we'll be back again almost almost said next week again no <laughs> we'll be back again at some point <laughs> one day another 50 years later 
we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back in about uh, you know twenty uh, years. Three months. <laughs> To discuss the uh, now thirty this... years ago, we're thirty years ago. We're you know we get together to do our discussion of the thirteenth episode of part two. <laughs> <laughs> but we will be back next time to discuss the second appearance of the man himself, Goemon Ishikawa. Yes. So, see you next time, folks. Toodles. Adios. Yeah,